A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture. Look back on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Where we not only review Smackdown, but also Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. Well, buddy, a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet to look back on Friday Night SmackDown and the best show of the week. <laughs> Innovators on this podcast we are, Will Bond, and I'll tell you for why. Because I like to think that we were one of the first podcasts to put our heads above the parapet. Um, present company excluded, who continues to call it the best show of the week, is one of the worst bits you do. But we were one of the first <laughs> to put our heads above and suggest that SmackDown ain't all that anymore. Maybe to the extent that even Monday Night Raw was better than SmackDown. Um, everyone else is playing catch-up, but they did at long last catch-up and sort of confess, oh, these Roman Reigns entrances and promos are quite long and there's not really a lot of content to them. Um, and then, as if out of nowhere, out of the blue, you may say, mm-hmm. from SmackDown, they've knocked one out of the park. I thought this was a really tremendous yeah. episode. It wasn't without its, like, WWE-labeled flaws, of course. Like, yes. no WWE broadcasters, unfortunately. But as far as... Um, what some of the praise that was often directed at SmackDown Weekly, it's breezy, stories move on, you're interested in the characters, all that sort of stuff that for a, a brief sweet spot in SmackDown's recent history, people were big on that every single week. I thought it was a return to that form. Mm-hmm. We can debate how long it's been out of that form, but it was nice to see it back. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm, I'm glad you said that as well, because I was worried I was going to come in here once again, influenced by the time and day that I watched the <laughs> show. So I was uh, away in Nottingham for a friend's birthday this weekend, so I didn't get back to watching SmackDown until sort of late Sunday night. Mm. And I breezed through large parts of this show, like you say, entrances and just recaps, all that bollocks that they usually chuck in. So I was like, yeah, 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 we've got to go, we've got to go. Then we had that amazing main event, and then it literally finished. I turned the telly on, and The Rock was introducing the <laughs> So I was like, oh, is this the best thing ever? I've got the boom periods back. That's good. Yes, um, but uh, uh, oh, well, that main event, my word. I've, I said this when I came to the office today. We often talk about this with AEW, and I promise this is the last AEW reference. We're, no, maybe not, actually. We're going to make it on this <laughs> podcast. But I talk about with Sige uh, and yourself um, how sometimes you go, 
well, the title's not changing hands here, and yet you still not only get sucked into a, just a great, a well-worked match, mm. but also, oh, I guess the title is changing hands yeah. for a split second, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the main event. Let's start at the beginning of the show, though, because uh, the show opens with Sonya Deville already standing in the ring. She welcomes us to Friday Nash, right there, <laughs> uh, and she recaps, great, uh, what happened with her <laughs> and Ronda Rousey and the attack last week, and Ronda Rousey declaring... Uh, I'll see you at WrestleMania Bracha, to uh, Charlotte Flair, of course, and facing this match for the. Well, she said she was going to fight for the SmackDown Women's yes. Championship. Mm-hmm. Of course. Anyway, uh, Deville's not happy. She says, you know, don't care if you're Ronda Rousey, if you're Naomi, if you, you know, put your hands on officials, if you break the rules, there will be consequences. And she announced she's going to be fining Ronda Rousey $100,000 and suspending her indefinitely. But then she's interrupted by Postman Pierce. Never have I been happier for an uh, opening promo interruption. He came out and said, I've just got an email from uh, Mr. McMahon, huge bab. I uh, don't know why still. But. Um, <laughs> He uh, he says, I just hate officials who bloody abuse our power. Okay, sorry, um, you've got the, obviously, the your noted form of the email, haven't you? Uh, can we do this like, you know, when you see in romantic comedies where the email's being read by the love interest? Uh, like, the voice in their head as they're reading it back. Can you give us Vince's edict? Yes. As if dictated by Vince himself, please. Yes. Go away with it. Huh? Don't let her get away with it. Once more? Don't let her go. He wasn't going to let her get away with it, basically. An articulate message, beautifully articulated. Thank you. Clear as day. He uh, he said, I've declined your petition to suspend Rousey. And not only that, she's not going to be fine any of that bollocks. Not that money matters to this company. <laughs> um... You cannot lay a hand on Naomi, and if you interfere in the main event, your job is in, quote, serious jeopardy. (laughs) And then Naomi comes down. I like this from Naomi. She comes down, she goes, oh, well, looks like you've just got a bollocking off your boss. Uh, And by the way, he did say, obviously, you can't lay a hand on me, but he didn't say anything about me laying a hand on you, so she just slaps the taste out of the mouth and goes, well, see you later. Yeah. Love this. Yeah, as far as um, WWE administration... Nightmare scenarios go. This was one of the easier ones to tolerate, I thought. It yeah. was nice to see. Um, that's what it was. It was just nice to see the baby see face. Nice. Yeah, to think about how they can make a situation work for themselves. Naomi has... This wasn't where... Um, I'll make an AW reference, shall I? Where the baby face steps way over the line in... T- tread on the toes of a heel, such as when Chris Atlander said, "Like Leila <laughs> Hirsch deserved being booted out by her parents That's or whatever." Like, oh, cool. Like the, Chris Atlander is it? Yeah, like this wasn't that. This was a babyface that has had to take abuse after abuse after abuse, and has at long last been able to like the system that's been oppressing her can now be used against yes. the oppressor. Like all that was really quite nice. Um, again, Vince McMahon. I, it's funny, isn't it? That on Raw in pre-tapes, he's like, "Yeah." I, Set up three cameras and I'll go 15 minutes if I get my message out with Austin Aries. Uh, Austin Aries, Austin Theory. On the billion dollar re- tasty. <laughs> yeah. on the billion dollar wrestling show, he thinks better of it. He's like, we're going to got two hours. <laughs> I, I'll, 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 I'll write it down. Rolling. I'll write it down. We'll get Buzz and Pierce to do it. So yeah, like, uh, not an unpleasant way to get the message across. And I liked um, the mere mention at the start from DeVille that uh, Rousey is suspended, $100,000 fine, all that sort of stuff. I think it created quite a nice energy in the air that Rousey's not here tonight. And crowds can expect that she's not going to be on every step on the road to WrestleMania. So what you're doing there is kind of um, amplifying the bap that she's going to get when she arrives as a surprise. Because we know her not to be a weekly character. So when if if you're in the building 
and she opens the show mentioning that, you kind of roll your eyes and go to your mate, ah, yes, because they've not got all this week. Mm. And that sort of, that temperature expectation for a nice surprise later on the show. Uh, then we got uh, the New Day versus Los Lotharios, who are now being referred to as the Lethal Lovers Los Lotharios. That's a lot of L's. Alliteration, baby, <laughs> they love it. But one thing they also love that they brought back, which I absolutely adore, is the bloody kiss cam. It's back. I Your enthusiasm for this kiss cam. I don't have a much of an interest in the NFL, but I, you know the cultural penetration of the Super Bowl is such that, of course, you cannot not take a passing glance towards it. I, and for whatever reason, not really managed to keep abreast of it this weekend. So you came in this morning, and I know you stayed up to watch it, and you enjoy that. You know, Apologies for today's podcast, by the way. At a distance, you enjoy the Super Bowl and can get a, a good night out of it. It's like, oh, well, go on, talk me through the Super Bowl. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, it was, it was this, it was this, it was this, it was this. And it was like... The kiss cam on SmackDown Hamlet. Can you believe it? <laughs> it leads me to the conclusion that what I, I I think already in your mind palace, you've drawn a scenario where we have like a what culture night out at a TV taping mm-hmm. one day, and the kiss cam finds us, and then it's Wilborn <laughs> and hey! and it's just like kisses all around for all the boys yeah. from Wilborn. Huge bop from the kiss cam as it captures everybody on screen. We've taken a sign that says, we're number one, why try harder? <laughs> Kisses all around. Yeah, there's, there's a reason why I'm glad this week it's you on SmackDown and Sage on, on, on Rampage, because I feel like the Kiss Cam's in the same sort of uh, area, let's just say, as the SmackDown fits. Yeah. <laughs> so probably best to be discussing this with you. Do you know what I did like about it? Because uh, like the Kiss Cam, seriously... It was just, it was just awful. I hate watching it when it, whether it's basketball games or WWE. Yeah. The awkwardness, like oh, we'll just have great Carly host it or whatever, but no, it doesn't, didn't really matter who hosted it. It just was really, just a bit. Uh, not, I just didn't enjoy it. But I like the idea of Lost Lotharios doing it. Going, not you. you. <laughs> oh, you. We can kiss the beautiful woman on the front row, though. I've, uh, I've married quite a long time. You're not married quite as long, but we're both married. So please do stop me if I'm projecting here. But I feel like um, the more long-term or serious relationship, the more awkward that kiss cam is. Mm. Like, I think about, like, if that kiss cam, like, happened upon me and my wife, who has been dragged to this show. She's not gone by choice. (laughs) The last thing she's going to want to do is have to kiss me on a giant camera, on a big screen, when already she's there, a little bit under duress. Mm. You know, she's gone because I didn't have anybody to go with, and I've had to, like, play with some of the nice arena beers or something, or, (laughs) or tell her that Adam Cole's coming, even if he's not. Like... Those are the ones that I feel the most sympathy for when the glare of the kiss cam is on them. Like, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like, my wife and I got married in 2010. Needless to say, there are two children keeping us very busy and very tired. Needless to say, not a lot of thought goes into Valentine's Day. The kiss cam feels a little bit of an extension. It's like, I did not come to this wrestling show to be romantic with my wife. What we're doing (laughs) is filling our evenings with, like, a year's worth of conversation fodder. That's what these events exist for. (laughs) You know, that's why people think, oh, the old romantic's going to the cinema. It's not sit in the back row. It's sit in the middle row and have a thing to talk about for the next seven days. Anyway, That's my take on Kiss <laughs> Let's talk about the match. Uh, early on, New Day got the advantage. Los Lotharios take over there and isolate Kofi Kingston. Kingston, though, fights back. Uh, gets to Big E, who manages to hit a big splash on Umberto on the apron. Uh, and then Kingston gets launched over the top rope by Big E onto the heels at ringside to take us to the break. When we come back, uh, the lethal lovers, Los Lotharios, nice. uh, are firmly in control. Uh, Big E recovers, though. He catches Angel uh, with a belly-to-belly suplex. Angel? Angel. I'm going to stick with Angel. It's Angel, yeah. I yeah, I liked him when he was Angel. Um, they, they like Angel mm. when they can't be asked, but that was how he always presented it's, himself. It's Angel got it. He mm. always will be. Uh, he catches him with a belly-to-belly suplex. Kingston and Burrow coming at the same time. Kingston cleans house. 
runs wild, sends Angel out to the floor. Boom drops Umberto, goes to the trouble in paradise, but Umberto avoids it. So then they uh, go for the midnight hour, but this time Angel attacks Kingston as he's going up top. Uh, and Kingston catches him with a Hurricane Rana off the apron. They do then manage to pull off that powerbomb double foot stomp thing that they do on Umberto, but uh, Angel Garza makes the save. Then Los Lotharios regain control, uh, a moonsault to the floor on Biggie from Angel, uh, and a moonsault from Umberto on Kingston for a near fall. Kingston catches Umberto with a trouble in paradise, but it was in the midst of them trying to set up a double-team finisher, them as in uh, Los Lotharios. Angel's the legal man, and as Kingston goes for a sunset flip, Angel reverses it, rolls him up, steals one, gets the victory. It's 50-50 stuff, but if it is going to be 50-50 stuff, I like it being these four men because I think they work really well together. Yeah, it's tricky this. The finish first because he did steal one and that's exactly how they presented it to you. The, like the stack up was all very legs and arms wiggling all over the place and he's got one. Hate that. And I think if we ever stop calling it out, we're not doing our job. Mm-hmm. He's beaten, he's like used his strength and his muscle and his technique to hold him down for a pinfall. It's Drew McIntyre with a backslide and Randy Orton over again. A win's a win's a win with a wrestling move. And I just hate that that's still... So commonplace, you know, Mm -hmm. because what it does is undermines what I thought the New Day worked very hard to do here, which was very earnestly put over Los Lotharios. They knew the size of the win for a team like the uh, the Lethal Lovers currently. Like, they're not, (laughs) they're a long way off one win over the New Day, like propelling them into tag team title contention. But it's a foot on the ladder that they otherwise didn't have. And it's funny you mentioned about 50-50. WWE is so literally backwards that the early matches in a program are the best ones mm-hmm. because you know you're going to see it 10 times over. The result is at its, it's currently at its most meaningful. Yes. Before it's diluted. Like, if I, I, I'm putting you on the spot for a reason. I don't expect you to know the answer. But if I was to say to you, so where are we at with the old rankings in uh, terms of the uh, dirty dogs and the street profits on Monday Night Raw? <laughs> No chance. You at like singles tags, absolutely no chance of knowing who's got the upper hand in what is currently probably about six five or something. Yeah. Like this is sort of the best bit because you think, wow, like they've taken a win off the new day here. They're they're going somewhere mm-hmm. and that might be diluted, that might be diffused between now and Elimination Chamber or WrestleMania or whatever. So this is the time where you kind of have to bask in just a little bit of that reflected glory for these newcomers having a big win. I wanted to say all that first because I really want to talk about the New Day. What's going on? What the fuck is going on? Right. Don't get me started on it. Well, let's get started on it. Right. So, like, Big E, the Big E is cross, can be filed with Kofi crushing the pancakes. That's that's done. Yeah. Like, we've abs- we got a week. actively instructed to ignore that, because it was clearly the wrestlers just trying to, like, have a bit of an interior life and think about their characters and how the characters would currently feel. And they've obviously been instructed or have just thought, what's the point? Do it. Like, they don't care. But Kofi and Big E are singles guys that have come back together as a tag team. I read at the weekend that there's apparently a mandate on not referencing them as the New Day. And this goes bigger, or like not announcing them as the New Day. It's mm-hmm. Kofi Kingston and Big E, Kofi Kingston and Big E. Because Vince McMahon wants both Big E and the New Day's magic, but for people to think Big E's a cool babyface that can do things on his own, which that's a reading of Vince McMahon. Like he believes his top babyface can't have mates. He doesn't think he doesn't think that's a quality to have friends. Oh, no. Like you know, like uh, Austin did it once. So in his mind, like nobody has friends. Everybody does it on their own. Mm. Well, he also thinks there's nothing wrong with WWE. So that's well, there is that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, there's a, a cloud of sadness hanging over the new day at the moment, and it's really hard to escape from under. I really admired. This was a good match, and uh, uh, Biggie working to um, just something like the apron splash. Oh, you like really worked up to it, and it's like if they give everything, they're going to get Los Lotharios 
over yeah. by the result of the win, regardless of how the finish is pitched as a steel one. The match can do that, and Big E and Kofi Kingston kind of selflessly did that. This felt as serious to them as any match against the Usos for the belts, and they lost. So that's putting somebody over. But away from that, what's the big picture here? What's Big E's not getting pushed anymore. That's done. Uh, the New Day have only got one member remaining who hasn't yet won the WWE title and been squashed by Brock Lesnar. So mm-hmm. we should really get around to that. It's just... I don't know. It just feels like we're we're really under a cloud of them at the moment, and they, they should be one of the few acts immune from all of this. They yeah. typically are. They're typically one of the acts that we say, well, they kind of talk and work around everything, and it doesn't feel like they can now. Well, call this wishful thinking, and but it's it's the last last straw I can sort of grasp onto and hope for the best because I thought, oh, okay, well they're doing all this and the rumble stuff happened. I was like, well. At least they got time to build back up to E versus Lashley <laughs> at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. And the, the whole moving him to SmackDown thing, that's just a bit of an admin thing. And they're, they're Red Herring, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That's not happening, obviously. No. My only... It's more of a hope rather than an expectation is they've just put him on SmackDown so they can do some nice New Day stuff at WrestleMania. So just a nice trios match or something, right? I've got it. And then... You keep E just on the back burner. That's what they've they backburned him now. They're not going to job him out. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, going, don't expect him to be in and around the title picture for now. They're just going, just do some tag 50-50 stuff. And then my my sincere hope, because I'm looking around going, who else is there, is that E is the one to finally dethrone Roman at SummerSlam. Oh, God. All right. But that's, like I say, yeah. I mean, like right now, what's the evidence that they would do something like that? But... And, you know, the Roman E thing, it's like, well, he easily beat him relatively at mm-hmm. uh, Survivor Series. But I'm looking around going, oh, he could do that to Drew, but Drew's already got the whole Royal Rumble, Brock win, and then you could have Drew be the one post-WrestleMania if they want to go in this direction after Roman's, let's say, retained against Brock Lesnar, if that's what they want to do. Of like, oh, God, he's, he's beaten everyone on SmackDown, and they've all disappeared, uh, or some of them have, you know, gone completely... And then E is the one, like, patter merchant who can get, like, all this acknowledge me bollocks to be like, no, I'm going to beat you. Because I'm just, I just, it's it, like, I'm pinning it at SummerSlam because it's like a nice, you know, what, two-year yeah, cycle yeah. that would be. And if, you know, maybe they went, all right, well, that didn't really work with the WWE Championship, but they surely have to recognize that was their own booking fault. It wasn't due to not Big E not trying. And... You know, who knows what would have happened if if what happened at day one hadn't have happened. If Brock had been in a different title match. I don't know. You know, maybe Seth wins. Maybe maybe Lashley wins. And then they... I don't know. But it is... Uh, it's one of those things where I'm going to look back. A bit like the Summer of Punk. Thinking, there's a there's a plan here. Yeah. And I'm going to look back at the end of the, uh, this year and go... Well, I was really naive there. <laughs> What's more than wishful? I don't want to call you naive. What's more than wishful? Yeah. Like the... I mean, you did plant a seed. Very nice there. A bit of LTST, as people should expect from this podcast. Um, a trios match at WrestleMania in Dallas, um, assuming that um, Xavier Woods can come back in his fit as a fiddle and good to go. What happened the last time that the New Day were in Dallas? Xavier took a stunner. New Day versus Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. <laughs> Just something nice in the mid-card. Night two. Bit of fun. Letting off a bit of steam for everybody. Three on three. Yeah. New Day, get the win. New Day, get the win. <laughs> big, uh, big ending on Mick Foley. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, right, we had uh, something straight out of AEW next. The worst side of AEW, <laughs> as the Viking Raiders were getting interviewed and they got attacked by someone directly behind the camera, basically. The Usos just broad daylight jumped them as they were getting interviewed and beat them down. Just a, uh, as quick as I can be and as quick as singly. The Viking Raiders are stupid loser dweebs and they suck. Like, that's... Not in real life. I've met them. They're bloody terrifying. And I wouldn't say that to the face. I'm talking about these characters that we're seeing every week. Because what what is the booking of these other than, like... I'm going to use WWE's parlance because I think I don't particularly like the OU. They're the Usos bitches, aren't they? Like, yeah. just uh, they get decked, they get beat, they get the stuff nicked. It's... I, I don't... Say, and because of the bloodline and because of the Usos' proximity to Roman Reigns, it's hard to visualise... Eric and Ivar being the ones to dethrone them, isn't mm. it? So it doesn't really feel like revenge is coming, particularly for the Usos for all of this, other than a near fall or a non-title pin or what. Something that doesn't count as revenge is going to be given as the Viking Raiders' revenge. Like Eric lost in singles action last week. That's what he's being asked about when they got jumped. Like, there's a really simple story to tell you. And by the way, if the Viking Raiders win the titles, that's not a brilliant swerve. Yeah. It's just like, ah, oh, well, I guess the Usos really suck then because the Viking Raiders... Like, there was an easy story to tell here, right? You want to do a sort of temporary thing. P- for me, you go into WrestleMania with the bloodline holding all the gold still. So you need a, you want a match for the world title at the, the chamber uh, and you want to make people believe that maybe it's going to happen. Why not just instead of... I mean, even before they became normal contenders, they got bloody pinned the week before, didn't they? Mm. Maybe have a little bit of forward planning have them not lose that match, have them constantly win, whether it's against, you know, any old job attack team, literally local bloody wrestlers if you want, just so they can hit those mint chuck with yeah. people around moves and the cartwheel and the spring, you know, the hand handspring off the ropes, which just looks so good all the time. Just have them just wreck local competitors, lower, you know, lower down tag teams and pin the Usos and be like, Usos be like, well, we're going to have to be really sneaky little bastards because... If you know, we go toe-to-toe with these two, look at the size of them. They're going to destroy us. And, the, you know, they cheekily shenanigans, you know, FTR, the revival-esque, steal the the, the victory uh, at the chamber and sort of go, well, that, that's that, back of the line for you, rather than this tag team sucks and there's no chance in hell that they're taking the titles off the Usos on Saturday. Well, joke's on you because you just told the story. Yes. They can't do it. Uh, then we got a sit-down interview, which I really enjoyed, with Roman Reigns. Uh, they had one with Goldberg later on. They're exchanging threats mm-hmm. on this show because we've got the face-to-face, uh, well, this week now, I suppose. Yeah. Um, they do a big recap. Heyman explains his uh, reasons for turning on Brock Lesnar. He talks about Goldberg's return. Uh, and Cole says, yes, last week featured the return of an icon. Heyman goes, oh, thank you very much. And he's like, no, I wasn't <laughs> talking about you. I was talking about Goldberg. Uh, Cole lists off Goldberg's accomplishments, his winning streak in WCW. Uh, and then I was really conflicted by this because it was a nice line. But also, we get it, Vince. You, you won the Monday Night Wars. You, you, yeah. you got it. <laughs> got it. I got it at WrestleMania with Sting. And yeah, you didn't need to do it anymore. But anyway, Reigns responds. Well, if I was in WCW, everyone would be winning because it'd still be in business. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice little line. If if not, just stop going on about it. It's so funny that like this reminds me of that story from last year where Vince was like, yeah, it's very different at uh, AEW today. We're not talking about competition that likes the Ted Turner. Like, in his mind, that was real competition to everything else since. Yeah. Well, I've completed it. I've completed competitive business. Done. 
<laughs> um, he talks about Cole. This is uh, Goldberg beating Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, and we get a clip of that wonderful, what is it, 90-second match, basically. Yep. Um, and Reigns just shrugs it off and says, ah, well, Brock Lesnar's old news and no one cares about it. <laughs> um, and he says, oh, you know, let's not forget this match was supposed to happen two years ago at WrestleMania and Roman Reigns. Uh, nice. I do like the fact that they've looped that into mm. this. I mean, and I don't want them to say, and the reason why it didn't happen was this. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact Roman Reigns said, uh, yeah, yeah, two years ago could have been really interesting. Maybe it's a chance, but not now. <laughs> I'm untouchable. I'm a different person. I've smashed everyone. I'm going to do the same to Goldberg. Uh, and then he clicks his fingers. And Paul Heyman says, the following isn't a prediction. It's a spoiler. And Roman looks down the camera lens, gorgeous bastard that he is, and says he's going to Goldberg, Goldberg. And I, for one, hope he does. Yeah, who doesn't? Great line, great delivery, great clicking of the fingers to get Paul Heyman to do the spoiler bit. Really, really, really enjoyed this. Um, turns out all we ever needed to make some of these Roman Reigns promos less boring was Michael Cole and nice leather furniture. Mm. Because I've been craving something like this in terms of a slightly, not even that different, just a tweaked presentation of the Roman Reigns character. And I think this feud is maybe the best fit for that because there's not really a lot to say. Is there? It's like, WrestleMania didn't happen. We've both got big spears. I'm really, really young and you're really, really old. And <laughs> the fact that you even think you've got a chance is an insult to me. Let's fight. It's as simple as that. And thankfully, WWE haven't decided to complicate it with Roman going 20 minutes with an expected falls at the start of the show. Mm. So all in favour. Like, I didn't even mind the rebuttal later on because I just thought it was there to show you that in this setting, at least, they can present themselves as equals, even if on the night that might not be so. Yeah, I know WWE don't often think of a match finish and then work backwards. They often think of a phrase, mm. Goldberg in Goldberg, for example, and work backwards from there. But you know what? Even if you just stumbled into it, do it. Like, there is no shame... Nothing happens to Goldberg's legacy, his aura, if you get smashed in mm. 90 seconds, for example. But what, a, what an, a breath of fresh air it would be for this Roman Reigns character, who, yes, you know, has won all the big matches, but the last time we saw him at the Rumble, he just sort of went, I'll take the DQ victory, thanks very much, mm -hmm. because I got wound up by memories of the Shield. There's no harm. Brock Lesnar's Brock Lesnar. No one's going to go, well, he can't. It's Brock Lesnar, former UFC heavyweight champion, beating everyone, WWE. Like, if he goes in there and just, in his words, smashes him, stacks him, pins him, beats him inside, let's say, two minutes, mm. and the commentators go, oh, bloody hell, no one can stop him. Yeah. Can Brock Lesnar even, you know, overcome this? Regardless of Uso's bloodline, Paul Heyman stuff. Like, there's no harm there in my eyes. No, it's sort of perfect curtain raiser booking for the main event of WrestleMania, isn't it? Because, yeah, they're, they're using the clip from 2016. is like, so this is what this guy did to Brock Lesnar, but look what Roman Reigns did to this guy. That's, and that's, it's like it's that nice wrestler logic that mm. informs the last bit of build for Lesnar Reigns at WrestleMania. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. 
I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, we go next to the dungeon style match. <laughs> uh, it was Natalia and Aaliyah. They recapped uh, Aaliyah doing the 3.17 pin, uh, winning via DQ, winning via count out, winning all the time, basically. But in this match, it is, of course, pinfalls or submissions only. Uh, early on, Natalia gets the advantage, gets a side headlock. Aaliyah fights back, though, and, and uh, you know, Uses her technical prowess, shocks Natalia, and she blows her a little kiss. But then Natalia just hits her with a Mishinoku driver for a <laughs> nibble. Uh, Aaliyah comes back, rips her top off, not the actual, the T-shirt over yes. the top. Uh, Thez presses her, bulldogs her, two count, puts on a half crab, uh, and Natalia escapes. And then the most shocking thing I've ever seen in wrestling happened. Natalia successfully put on a sharpshooter and won a match with it. <laughs> uh, she puts it on. Aaliyah makes it to the ropes. But, of course, in this match, rope breaks don't count. So Aaliyah has no choice to tap out inside three minutes. I didn't really understand why they did this. All right, Natalia gets a win back. And it's like, well, if the rules were different, then Aaliyah would have had a rope break. But mm. you, you knew there were rules going into it. Um, strange, this. And then we obviously got... I was going to say the return of Zaylee. She's sort of just been knocking about. She disappeared. I was really worried because I did a list uh, about nine wrestlers who've gone AWOL, which you can watch on uh, What Culture's YouTube channel right now. Spoiler alert, Zaylee's on it. And I was like, <laughs> we have to get this video out before Friday because she's <laughs> definitely getting involved. She did. She made the save uh, after Natalia continued to attack uh, Aaliyah post-match. But yeah, strange booking decision once again by WWE here. Yeah, I think this is an all right execution of a pretty crap idea. Um Crap in the sense that uh, Natalia winning here wasn't really necessary, even though we're supposed to read it as she wouldn't have done it in a straight wrestling match. She was in control. 
This is not a Ali- like Aaliyah makes it to the ropes, right? Let's say this is a normal wrestling match, hypothetically. You're left to believe, okay, Aaliyah makes the ropes, but then her legs and back are severely weakened by the sharpshooter and the other stuff she's absorbed in the match, and then Natalia beats her some other way. It's not like the rules. There was a um going way back into the archives here, but it's the same thing. It's a heel applying the rules to their own advantage, right? The Quebecers defeated the Steiner brothers for the tag titles under Quebec province rules in 1993. And how they did that was Scott Steiner battered uh, one of the Quebecers <laughs> with a hockey stick, got caught by the referee. They were like, the Quebecers were cheating arseholes, yeah. and Scott Steiner was just driven insane by it, and he couldn't hold back anymore, being Scott Steiner. Walloped him with a hockey stick. The referee saw it, and then the Steiner, like, that was, oh, God, our heads have gone. We forgot that the title's changed hands on a DQ. So they're absolutely battering the Quebecers, but the Quebecers have stolen one. They've stolen as heels. They've taken titles. They've not even pinned the champions. Christian it's, spitting in Randy Orton's face, for example. Yeah, a perfect contemporary example. Thank you for being the younger one on this podcast. <laughs> exactly that, right? The heel... I really like that at the time. I'd like to point this out. Yeah. I mean, a lot of issues that with went, that, with that feud, especially how it ended up. But the point is, the baby face in both of those cases is in control, and you're led to believe, ah, oh, if this thing hadn't happened, they were going to get it done. Aaliyah's trapped in a hold. Like, if Natalia releases when she gets the rope, what's she going to do? Pull it back to the middle and put it back on. Mm. Or do something else and beat it. They've, that, like, that's why this idea for finishing the, the setup of the match was pretty crap. And it's a shame, because I didn't think the action was that bad. No. Um, I think they're really getting it together. The other, we presume they're doing stuff on house shows as well. Well, we said about Natalia and Xia working the house shows. It's all, regardless of what you think of anybody's work, they'll get people to they'll get people locked in on a WWE style through doing reps with Natalia, which is what both these women are kind of doing at the same time. Um, and I thought you saw a slither of the benefit of that over three minutes or whatever it was. Mm. I also thought Xia looked the best she'd done so far in terms of an attack as the uh, protector. She's, her kicks were amazing. Yeah. She absolutely battered Like She seemed to waffle her with a couple of those kicks. And I think one of my take was, completely speculative, by the way, was that the first time she did that running, it looked a little bit... I think she um, saved Naomi, was it? Yes. It looked a little bit limp. And then she disappeared, and I thought, oh, they've, yeah, they've yeah, not yeah. liked what they've seen. This was different. She came back. She was laying it in, as they say. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just out of a bit of trust that's been built between the two. And she's like, aye, hit as hard as you need yeah, to. I, I thought this, all of this, from a physical aggression point of view, match included, came across pretty well. But it was kind of a naff idea to begin with, and it never got away from that. I meant to mention this on the preview, and I don't know if I did or not. Um, but it felt like in this match, the obvious thing to do is pinfall or submissions only. What's Natalia's big thing at the moment? Guinness Book of Records. Just have a, like, chop block. Uh, I thought you were going to uh, say hit me in the face with the Book of Records. Bust her wide open, paper cut her face or whatever. But, yeah. It's a heavy book. Just That book's a big old thing, and it's available in all bookstores right now. Did you have that in your school library when you were younger? Oh, it was, that was all I read. Like, you go, you just go to the guy with the long beard or that one fingernail. fingernail the one fingernail that looks like a snail's body. A shell. What happens, snail. That's, that's the word I got. Question, right, this is the most important question I may ask on this podcast. Yeah. What happens when that... You know, like, when you used to play Snake? Yeah. And you get to the middle. <laughs> like, what happens what, what when that nail gets to the middle? Does it, like... um does think it just it, grow out? Well, yeah, I was going to say it grows out. Do you think it's like a tree, where if you cut a tree, you can see how old it is by the rings in the wood? Do you think, like, by that nail, you can start counting the lines in years? And I, like, I get it. When that nail's curling round, mm. it's, a, you know, even if it's not yet the world record, that's a talking point, isn't it? Yeah. All right, Steve, that's a... Long <laughs> <nail> <laughs> right he goes to scratch his face and he just has to do... But, like... There's a there's a gap there in there because we've all you know n- forgotten to cut our nails yeah. and gone oh they're a bit long mm. that and that's normally with like a what let's say a month six weeks something yeah. like that and you're really like oh goodness me I really need to have a word in myself mm-hmm. here like six months <laughs> what's that looking like 
Because he's gone past, he's gone past, oh, you just need to cut your nails. Yeah. It's even gone past, oh, you like putting coke on your fingernails and uh, snorting it off there like you're someone from the 80s. <laughs> it's now like, ugh. Six months, if you're, you know, every now and then you see a guitarist with one or two long nails. Mm. I don't know the technical reasons, but I've seen it. <laughs> Six months for a nail would probably be like, you know, like if somebody gets their nails done. And then, I, like you see, like sort of if like uh, in like film or television, where like somebody will be tapping on yeah, a desk yeah, with yeah. like the very long nails. Like I see people with like phones, and I think like how like yeah. how do you do that? That'd be about six months growth naturally, wouldn't it? Obviously, a lot of times they're fake nails. Yeah, if you get on a year, it's still only going to be. I'm looking at my finger here. Few inches. Yeah, a, a few inches. As I put my hands from one side of the wall to the other, <laughs> a, f- a few inches. That guy must have been on that for that Guinness Book of Records picture about twenty years, maybe. That's what they should do. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Uh-huh. Give Natalia a weekly segment. Give her a weekly segment, right? It's not about Natalia, obviously, right? She brings out another record holder, and they chat about being record holders. I thought you were going to say it was just that guy, and it was called Natalia's Nails. And it's just, because she's hard. Like, like, But yes, just the, I like that. The nail guy. The, yes. Uh, you know, I don't know. More weird world record. I don't need. I don't need who's run hundred meters quickest. <laughs> Since India, I think probably booked Usain Bolt. <laughs> Although Usain Bolt at WrestleMania actually. Right, that down. Right, that Usain Bolt at WrestleMania. I'd love that. Just a weekly segment where you celebrate. We start like record breakers as a TV show in the yeah. UK, a beloved cultural institution. I'd I'd like happily donate ten minutes to SmackDown to just bring in a record breaker. Like weird, only weird stuff. Only weird stuff. Did you ever watch? Um, I'm typing weird. Will- so you say this. I'm typing weird world records and read out the first one that I see. Well. Because I, I think I could do one. I'm putting it, I'm, I'm going to say this out loud in a podcast because I think I could do it. I don't know what the current time is, but I think I could do it. So here's a shout out. Anyone that's listening wants to go and do the research, or indeed you and your laptop, and like we'll film it or something like that. We'll make content out of it. We'll do the audio. That'd be gross. People hate this. <laughs> I think I can do it. On a Big Brother years ago, I think it was Big Brother 2, um, there was a, somebody like, uh, break a record. That was a weekly task. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was a task where it was fastest to eat three dry cream crackers. Mm-hmm. I watched that, and I thought, I can do that. And nobody would believe me, and why would they? There was no witness there. I recreated it in my house, and I'm pretty sure I did do it. And I, <laughs> and I, like, I'm not, you know me, I'm not the most braggadocious person. There's a few things that I would go to bat for for myself, so arrogantly and adamantly like this. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, slapping on the table, proverbial, I know it was literal, but, like, figuratively <laughs> speaking, I think I could do it. I think I could eat three dry cream crackers in whatever the current record breaker's time is. I think I could do it quicker. That's the so if Natalia best. wants me on for a 10-minute segment on SmackDown, I will eat three crackers. If WWE want to invest to fly me there, I'll eat three crackers on I'm TV just for them. I'm, I'm, we're a genius. This segment's perfect. Uh, a guy from California. Yep. That makes it easier. Nick Stoberl, a.k.a. The Lick. Nick The Lick. <laughs> Nick The Lick. He's got the longest tongue. Right. God. Uh, that bloke from, he's from, he's from England yeah. who's got stretchy skin. Yes. Use him as a Tron or something. Great. Right? Right. There she is. Longest fingernails, longest mustache. After Google the cracker one after this. That's fine. Hold it. Okay. There uh, we go. Well up uh, McMahon's street. Uh, Bernie Barker, oldest male stripper. Great. Yes. The oldest male stripper is Vince McMahon. Check out a piece I've done on Kelly Kelly on whatculture.com forward slash WB with a reminder that Vince McMahon instructed Kelly Kelly how he wanted her to strip. <laughs> When she was on ECW, as the I exhibitionist like character. In my head, you know, when he did the thing with, uh, what's his name, Gronk? Yeah. And he's like, here's how you should fall. Yeah. That, that's what happened with Kelly Kelly. He's like, he takes his clothes, he's got the same bikini on underneath. <laughs> oh, same as these. Uh, here you go. Uh, double whammy here. Okay. I've come completely off on a tangent here. 
what does WWE love more than almost anything? Uh, slacking off its ex-employees, right? <laughs> okay. Sorry, and who's really popular at the moment? What's his name? Zach. Zach what's Zach Ryder's name? That oh, Matt, Matt Cardona, Cardona, yeah. Right? Here we go. There's a parrot called Zach that opens the most number of cans in a minute. There you go. You can famous Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any more we can have? That bloke who can stick spoons to himself. A parrot sure. opens cans. <laughs> like it opens beers or cans of pop or something. Here we go. Um, nice shout out for the Benetton group. They've invented the world's largest condom. <laughs> 72 feet. Uh, or if you want, another guy from the US. Oh my God, he's so easy, this segment. Uh, Odilon Ozar, uh, world's tallest hat. What? No, you, you just make a taller one. No, you have to walk 10 meters. Right, fine. <laughs> I'll, like, I could visualise, if we commissioned the making of the tallest hat and you wore it, people would just think, oh, there's Wilborn. Like, they wouldn't even look tired. Oh, there's Wilborn. Yeah. <laughs> Salutations from me and my baby. Like, under, like, you've got the hat and then underneath there's another colleague standing on your head. <laughs> like, you've got Cleary under there or something. Like, Salutations, and you open it up. And good afternoon. <laughs> He's got a really big hat on as well. <laughs> Uh, right, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, reviewing SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, there was a nice video, a really touching video I had to see next. From Crackdown. The That's the episode where I eat the crackers and break a <laughs> world record. So there's a really nice segment next for Black History Month. It was The Rock talking about his, uh, his father, Rocky Johnson. Uh, and that was just really nice. That was really well, nice. We, uh, we've lost that. So we've the, uh, hugely undermined it, and that's really not good uh, of us but at all. Then, then again, we are the number one uh, UK wrestling podcast. Uh, although we are being chased down by the brilliant Inzane. There's mm-hmm. a segue for you. Hell of a pod. Uh, before we got the podcast, we saw footage of Johnny Knoxville uh, going into some WWE shop and uh, writing Sammy's a loser on a poster. And uh, by the way, I think I... I think I'm owed money from this segment. I've just remembered. Because there was the thing with Sami Zayn crashing the Jackass Forever yes. uh, red carpet. And literally, I saw that and tweeted Sami Zayn Forever with the heart, like the logo. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen WWE do this. So I think they've seen my tweet and gone, Will wants money, so we'll steal that. I would believe it, because I'm pretty sure, rather than I do the analysis before you've done the recap, but I'm pretty sure the... Stupid bollocks that followed is something we pitched on one of them strange Friday. Probably. Uh, we lose our mind previewing this <laughs> in show because I love Sami Zayn. I love what he created in terms of battering Nakamura here. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Yeah. I also love uh, WWE Pearl Clutching fans being like, oh, you can't have Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania. Think about the legacy of the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship. Don't get me wrong. The Intercontinental Championship is a... Is a phenomenal institution, right? And it is, it's got a hell of a history. Not in recent years, though. New. No. They've just hot potatoed it around and pretended it mattered for a bit. Like the Miz tried his damnedest to make it relevant and then they went, give it a, a Apollo Cruise for a bit or something. What are you watching WWE for? There's a reason why they won't have it referred to as World Wrestling Entertainment because they don't believe in the second W. What are you watching it for if you want. Sami Zayn versus, you know what, I'm going to name like two of the best ones as well. Sami Zayn versus Ricochet or Sami Zayn versus Cesaro for the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania instead of Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. For one, right, Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville is as much in the DNA of WrestleMania as an actual wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Go yep. all the way back to WrestleMania yep. one. Yep. Celebrities yep. are as important to the cause. Like, it's, it's a different beast, WrestleMania, in the first place. But number two, 
let's say Sami Zayn and Cesaro or Sami Zayn and Ricochet have like 10 to 15 really good minutes in front of a stadium waiting for something else to watch because historically stadiums do not receive wrestling all that well. There are exceptions. Cesaro was in one last year. There are exceptions. But generally speaking, it's those matches that stand a great chance of dying on the vine in a big stadium compared to daft celebrity bollocks, right? Then... The babyface, Cesaro Ricochet, pick which one, doesn't matter. Wins the Intercontinental title. What happens in the weeks that follows? Absolutely nothing! <laughs> or less than, they actually get beat while champion yep, to yep, set yep. up the next contender who also doesn't mean anything with the belt. Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville exists for one night in a strange little universe. You can put the belt on Knoxville for all I care, and then he can have to defend it on WrestleMania Backlash, and you get a second bite of the Knoxville cherry. Or Zayn wins and he beats him with a jackass thing. And this is Johnny Knoxville, the guy who has made a career out of being very... Very, very funny at absorbing a lot of pain. So odds are he'd do it again here. One of the only talking points to Royal Rumble was Johnny Knoxville. I was going to say, for all right. people being like, you can't put Knoxville in a WrestleMania match for a title. I was like, did you see the forearm you hit AJ Styles yeah. with? Yeah, like I, if, like I say, it's not that I don't want to have the debate and I don't think it's being offered in good faith. I just think the people are still doing it earnestly and going, yeah, you can't do that. It's like... That's the thing that you're deciding you can't do. Yes. When this product is the one that you've stuck with post-commercial boom of the year 2000 and thought, mm, I think they're crossing the line here. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can, we sit here sometimes and we're critical and we try to critically analyze WWE, but we also know what we're signing up for. Yes, exactly. I think we've said once we applied the 2.0 or the fiend metric to Raw, <laughs> suddenly we all understood Raw a yes. bit more. So we're all guilty of it. How am I? It's the Intercontinental title and it's WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. And there are many, many things that WWE have, 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 have missed out on, have, have, have dropped the ball with. But, like, a jackass match at a pay-per-view is one of them. Yeah. Like, we reviewed the segment on the, the Raw review, the five-star <laughs> yeah. review review, which you can still suggest. Subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review. We reviewed that segment with jackass boys getting murdered by Goomandra, <laughs> right? Steve-O's picture-perfect backflip from the top rope, yeah. despite, let's be say, being inebriated? Yeah. That's the, legally the safest thing I can say. I mean, he, he was enjoying himself taking the bumps. He was enjoying himself even more beforehand. Yes. Like, yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely fine with this. So, yeah, Knoxville said this isn't over, basically. Anyway, Zane continues with the podcast, question mark. <laughs> says, uh, I won't let these actions get to me. I'm going to turn my attention to my intercontinental title match against Shinsuke Nakamura next week. Um... He's going to discuss the uh, nature of human consciousness tonight, uh, which is often something that's on our docket, but we never quite get around yeah. to. It's always your last bullet point yes. with a question mark and an exclamation mark, and we just never make it. <laughs> human consciousness? Also, Sami Zayn, like, what a worker. Like, his last, this WrestleMania and last WrestleMania, like, what, two, two matches where you're like, you've got it now. You know, <laughs> how it works in WWE. You're like, oh, we'll have a match, me and Kevin Owens with... I don't know, one of the Paul brothers. Oh, he about. just knows how it works. Can I, um, speaking of knowing how it works, we're recording the SmackDown review to Monday. We're recording it before you and Sidgwick sit down to do Rampage. Yeah. Can you wrong foot him with, uh, like, the first point saying, Sidgwick, in terms of this Rampage this week, it's very much the fallout to AEW's comment on the human consciousness. Thoughts? <laughs> just just see how it starts. <laughs> if he either gives you the stone-faced... <laughs> or because he's like incredibly erudite, articulate, and thoughtful. Yeah, we could actually applies human consciousness <laughs> to AEW storytelling and gives you something that turns out to be stuff that we need to keep for the awards folder when it comes to podcast yeah. awards season. I think it's a win-win. Sami Zayn, though, is just a gem. He, uh, in the midst of all this, says he's got some vegan recipes on hand because all the idiots food good, right? He says to the audience. I love this, by the way. This like Vince McMahon again, like yeah, your dickhead showing Vince. 
What are these stupid assholes like these days? They're like podcasting, they're like vegan food, stupid assholes. <laughs> Send him out there to say that stuff. Uh, so Rick Boogs interrupts him and Nakamura come out. Uh, and Zane said he's surprised, despite the fact he invited Nakamura on the podcast, uh, that he actually showed up because he's been ducking him for weeks. And he says he can't wait to see the look on Nakamura's face when he beats him. Uh, and he knows that he's working with Knoxville to distract him. The conspiracy continues. Um Nakamura says, oh, have you seen the movie? He says, Jackass Forever. And he goes, no, uh, the one next week. It's called Jackass Defeated. Oh! This fires up Sami Zayn. Got him. Uh, talks about previously, you know, being in Nakamura's Corner, which yeah. is a storyline probably should have lent with a little mm. bit more in this. Um, and he starts slagging off Rick Boogs and lifting all these weights and all that bollocks. Boogs is furious. Right. <laughs> Grabs the mic. Gets electrocuted by said mic. <laughs> And whilst Nakamura's checking on him, Zami Zayn hits him with a nice halluva kick. <laughs> like, I was like, what was that, bollocks? But then also, uh, Zami Zayn hit Nakamura with a halluva kick. You, you know what? You all right. Hang on, wait a second. I don't know why, why on earth would I ever say it myself. You know what? Hey, 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 hey. You all right. Yeah, my thoughts are bizarre. Jesus, Wilborn. I didn't realise you could do that on a podcast. You can't do that to a microphone. I'm supposed to be speaking. It's... <sighs> Let me just collect myself here. I dared speaking to a microphone. It turned out it was electrically charged because that's a thing. Yeah. What the fuck was this? <laughs> like, honestly, the Luba kick was too nice because it was really good. You've salvaged it. Yeah. You've legitimised your. Clever trick. <laughs> is this on us because we earnestly liked the zapping noises through the PA bit from two weeks ago and they thought, like it, did you? Mm. Well, you can smoke the whole pack. <laughs> I've got a, a bit of a, some people might know this already, a bit of a history in, in radio. So mm. I kind of know about, you know, the audio side of things. But never have I been sat here with, let's say, Scott Tail from the Brilliant, from the Brilliant What Culture Gaming podcast, wherever yep. you get your podcast from. And he said, uh, okay, that's, so that's how you do levels. Yeah, that's how you play uh, funny little sound, sounds and stuff. Hey. Stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and uh, which button do I press to elect the host? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, brilliant. Another backstage segment next um, because it had one of our favourite tropes in it. Mad Cat Moss has got a big old black eye from getting claymored uh, by Drew McIntyre. Uh, Moss says he's not going to be in Happy Corbin's corner for his uh, brief match with Cesaro because of his injuries. He's even going to try and maybe get out of his match with Drew McIntyre at the Elimination Chamber because we get the line. Claymore, I'd like like less. There it is. Brilliant. <laughs> there it is. No notes. Nope. And then we got uh, Happy Corbin versus Cesaro. Cesaro serves so much better. Newsflash. Um, we joined and the match has already started. Cesaro's obviously in control. And then obviously Corbin fights back with, you guessed it, a chin lock. Yeah. Um, Cesaro fights back though. Uh, Corbin catches him with a deep six for a near fall. Corbin pops Cesaro up on the top rope and then he comes back with this unbelievable suplex because Cesaro is too good for this goddamn company. Um, Cesaro actually manages to avoid the around the ring post clothesline thing that Corbin does, sends Corbin out to the floor, running uppercut against the barricade, a springboard uppercut for another near fall, which was just nice. But you can see where this is going with Corbin and McIntyre heading towards WrestleMania. It's not like Cesaro's going to win this. Um, and whilst he did rock Corbin with a boot to the face, Corbin came off, hit him with a clothesline and a sort of throat shot, I felt like they were sort of implying. Anyway, doesn't matter. Corbin hit the end of days for the victory. What did you make of the match? Um, Corbin does the slow heat stuff, the end of days rules, IDST, nothing 
like listen to any analysis of Baron Corbin over the last five years. I watched a bit of Takeover Dallas yesterday. That's Ooh. why I mentioned Austin Aries earlier on the podcast because he's on my mind after watching him and Baron Corbin. And time has been incredibly kind to NXT era Corbin, and for that matter, the greatest crank who ever lived. Like time has been good to the pair of them. Mm-hmm. This match that I remember being the driest, like the only real dry spell on this just incredible show, was still great on its own terms, because Baron Corbin was obviously being instructed with a more limited move set than some of his colleagues, was yeah. being instructed to maximise that, but never lose the heat, never mm-hmm. lose the heat. They became obsessed with him doing that on the main roster at the expense of pretty much anything and everything else he can do. And I don't resent that from him, because he's a guy that doesn't want to take bumps and just wants to cook meat on main, and fair play to him. <laughs> he wears nice hats and lives a good life, but... It's 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 too dull. It's I was not bored by Baron Corbin versus Austin Aries, and I knew what I was watching wasn't just because I wasn't watching a carry job. Far from it. And main roster Corbin, Corbin and, and Shorty G as he was now. We yeah, loved that. He, we were fully behind the whole King of the Rings. He stuff. can turn the dial when he wants to. A, I understand why he wouldn't want to. B, I can understand why he wouldn't want to get in trouble with his bosses for yes. doing it. Yeah. So you're left with this. Stop trying so hard. You're anyway, uh, in the back, the uh, Madcap Moss is trying to persuade the doctor to, he's not medically cleared for his match at the chamber this coming weekend now. Uh, and he says, all right, yeah. And apparently the doctor's just in cahoots with McIntyre now because he tells Madcap Moss to shut one of his eyes, open, open, no, shut his eyes, open one of them and tell him what he sees. What he sees is Angela drew McIntyre's sword and McIntyre says, stop talking a load of bollocks, tell him you're fine. He says, oh, yeah, I'm fine. He says, oh, good news, by the way, you're not only not getting out of our match. It is now falls count anywhere, which means anything goes. When I say anything goes, I'm going to kill you with a sword. That's basically what implied, right? He threatened to kill him. With a sword. Where's the show happening, Wilborn? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, like, what the hell was this? And what the hell was that doctor being in on, in on the bit? Well, the good news was I got immediately distracted from the th- threats of murder in Saudi Arabia by Drew McIntyre by Goldberg telling Cole he loves him like a brother. <laughs> that was so great, wasn't it? All pals back together. I was like, what? <laughs> Absolutely. Right, what's going on, mate? Incredible. Um, Cole runs through Gold- <laughs> This is the response from, from uh, uh, Goldberg to back Roman when, Reigns <laughs> Back when we used to run up and down the roads together Michael. I was like we've got a lot of history together I was like have you? <laughs> <laughs> Old pals is it? Okay um, So yeah he talks about his, his histories of accom- his, his long history of accomplishments uh, But he says a lot of people saying this might be one comeback too many And I thought one um, <laughs> uh, He said Goldberg said he, The problem is I listened to some of those people But now I realise I don't care what anyone thinks uh, he says, this is uh, this is the comeback. He'll bring back the old him. It's two years in the making, 10 years in the making, 15 years in the making. Uh, he says, I know, you know, Reigns has promised to Goldberg, Goldberg. Um, and uh, he said, I should acknowledge him. And I did acknowledge him. But man, next big game. Uh, I'm going to make Reigns acknowledge me. Uh, I'm going to beat him. And I'm going to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I thought, again, caveat, for a Goldberg promo... I thought it was pretty damn good, this. Yeah, like every good Goldberg match, it was short and to the point without you giving you time to really get bored of him. It's still funny to me, you know, that he can, he's got to cut this promo here where he's got to add a bit of texture to the usual Goldberg deal, the usual Goldberg thing. Whereas the one time there was a bit of, bit of meat on the bone, he was chasing the wrong bit of meat because it was like, Drew McIntyre, I'm sick of you being disrespectful. It was like, I love all you guys. <laughs> you could have, like, if only you could have applied that to this, where yeah. Roman Reigns has been incredibly disrespectful of Goldberg's yeah. legacy. But instead he's like, now nah, I'm going to pick on this one guy that effectively gave me a hook. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, the call, I love you, Black Brother line. It's so it. funny. <laughs> God, there's a great, I wish, I wish more people had seen this. Or it was one of the things where like somebody, I, I, I should remember just isolate the footage and tweet it. 
But Goldberg, I think it, I think it must be WrestleMania 33, WWE's 24 special, where they're following Goldberg around and he's nervous, like him and Brock are going to wrestle again. They know they've got to live up to the expectation of the Survivor Series mm-hmm. match. And uh, he's walking around backstage. And this love you like a brother thing, I think he's invented a WWE legacy he doesn't really have. Because he sees The Undertaker, who that night was fighting Roman Reigns, ironically enough, in the main event. And Undertaker's just sort of stood there. And Goldberg, from what looks like a mile away, like goes, take! And puts his arms out for the big the big hug, right? And he's got his arms out the whole way. Oh, no. And like it's a long time oh. between like arms out and Undertaker. And Undertaker's not long enough to make a choice. The arms are not going out. Like They're not reciprocated. Goldberg's basically got him in a hug, and then Undertaker kind of has to limply put his arms around him. Good to you, go. It's like he knew what he was going to do to him two years later. <laughs> he was kind of negging him in advance. Hey, good to see you, Bill. Don't drop me on my fucking head in two years. <laughs> uh, right, it's time for the main event. Oh, well, not before. Uh, Seamus uh, does some, some NASCAR race. Whatever. <laughs> and then we got Charlotte Flair, SmackDown Women's Champion, putting the belt on the line against Naomi in a, I'll just say, a sensational main event. Uh, because I thought, eh, we get this. And then they've like, been bigging it up throughout the show. There was clips of Charlotte Flair being like, I'm going to be in the main event because I'm... I hate the nickname of the opportunity, by the way. I think it's one of the worst. Mm. They've made words strange, WWE. Yeah. And for a long time. Nobody now, speaks like anybody does in WWE. No. So that when they say that, you're like, that's not language. No. You're all aliens. Um, so y- we know what's going to happen here. And yet, well, I'll get into it. Flair's in control early, catches Naomi with a shoulder tackle, celebrates, but then Naomi fires up, jumps to her feet, Tillowell head scissors, sends her to the floor, uh, and then hits her with a nice corkscrew dive. Uh, when we come back from the break, Naomi's uh, fight, having to fight from underneath against uh, Flair. She uh, rocks her, though, with a kick to the head, uh, hits a flying crossbody uh, for a near fall. Really well timed, these two. Like, Flair literally is mid-turn round and Naomi's airborne. Mm. So just just evidence of how to, how these well these two work together. Um, Flair takes back over, though, slows the pace down, uh, misses a boot in the corner. Naomi kicks the leg, hits a jawbreaker. That gets a two-count as well. Flair recovers, hard chops from her. She hits a tilt-world backbreaker to get her a near fall. Um, Naomi, though, hits a blockbuster. She gets a two-count. Flair rolls to the outside. Naomi goes after her, uh, and then Flair chucks her into the stairs to regain control to take us into another break. When we come back, Naomi sends Flair into the middle turnbuckle, uh, attempts a hurricane runner, but Flair counters into a power bomb for a two-count. Flair goes for that moonsault of hers, and Naomi rolls out of the way, uh, and Flair does that thing where she lands on her feet and goes for the standing moonsault. But Naomi gets her knees up and then nails her with the rear view. And at that moment, we've talked about this before, Mm. I went, oh, okay, so Naomi's winning the title, and I don't know, Charlotte's going to have to win it back at the chamber to then defend it against... That's a weird... All of that happened in the space of the... 2.9 2.9 count that we got here mm-hmm. because I just 100% bought <laughs> oh Naomi's winning the world title it didn't happen unfortunately Charlotte Flair kicked out Naomi goes to that split leg in moonsault Flair gets her knees up uh, Naomi recovers full Nelson bomb that gets a two count she hits the uh, split leg in moonsault on the second try that gets a near fall uh, but then as Naomi goes to the rear view Flair gets out of the way chop blocks her Hits her with a natural selection. One, two, three. Charlotte Flair retains the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, and post-match, Sonya Deville can't help but gloat in Naomi's face. Uh, this 
infuriates her. She attacks Deville, but Flair gets back in and helps Sonya Deville beat down Naomi. And then, as you mentioned, a huge pop as Ronda Rousey's music hits and she runs down to make the save. Uh, she kicks Sonya Deville. She goes after Flair with body shots. Uh, body shots. Flair has to get out of there uh, and Rousey comes back face-to-face with DeVille, who's like, oh, you can't hurt me, my arm's hurting. And she was like, okay, fair enough, I'll just break the other arm. Goes to do that. Flair drags DeVille out of the ring, uh, and the show closes with uh, Flair and DeVille scarpering out of there and Rousey checking on Naomi to close the show. What an ending this was. Yeah, like a certified banger with a cool ending on top. Just, I I cannot remember the last time that this happened. Um... Not just on SmackDown, but specifically in the women's division on SmackDown. We've talked about WWE's handling of the women's divisions on both major brands, really. has left a lot to be desired, and it feels short on stars, and it feels short on talent and matches of this pedigree. And Charlotte Flair, for better and worse, is expected to have these all the time. Yeah. And too often she doesn't, and a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the criticism is isolated on Charlotte Flair. But... I think it's, what's the phrase, like in a clinch maybe, or so the Rhea Ripley match kind of demanded the a great... chips are down. Yeah, like the Rhea Ripley match, demand the few demanded a great match and we got one. And I think her and Naomi collectively would, would really do something of this standard. This was excellent. This was so, so good. There was no, um, I didn't feel like there was any dead spots, which considering the state of every character in WWE, the way that you just, you're so overexposed to them, you're overexposed to WWE match formula, which this again veered away from. There was way more. We say back and forth a lot on these podcasts because yes. often that's just WWE know how to do a back and forth match. But it's shorthand for me for the first like four minutes where I'm like, you know what happened. Yeah. I don't need to describe move by move. But it was genuinely dramatic tide turning in this match. There was a one, was it the spot on the floor where there was like a double reversal before um, Naomi hit the steps? And it really could have gone either way because mm. they were both exhausted. Charlotte Flair sells exhaustion so, so well. As well as Naomi does babyface comebacks because she's just got that innate babyface charisma. She does that awesome thing. You know when uh, WWE trains its wrestlers to look to the hard camera and it becomes the point of awkward where they're like doing spinneroonies to find it. <laughs> you can see it on NXT 2.0 with the, the young yeah. trainees. They've got to look for it. They've got to do it. You see it with Toxic Trash quite a lot. Look at the camera. Do the thing. Like, that's what's going to get them ticked in the box when they get backstage. The camera finds Naomi because that's the way around it should be. Mm. That's how it should be. She, like, will... Britt Baker's really good at this as well. Where, like, she will know that she's got a good chance of catching the camera and then just shake the hair and give a face that, like, is reaching out through the screen, mm. the old-fashioned Dusty Rhodes thing, looking out to you to help her, to drag her off her, like, off her heels and onto her feet again. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant from Naomi when she's given, like, a long-form match to do it. I thought there was absolutely loads of that here. I love this match. I wouldn't... It's probably not going to trouble, like, the match of the year list because, again, WWE Sludge kind of makes all this forgettable mm. within two or three weeks. So the characters don't assume that this is going to set Naomi up for something big at WrestleMania. She'll be in the women's Andre again or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on its own, just on an island, what a thoroughly great match this was. A genuinely cool struggle of a title match where, as you say, you, know, you articulated your own one, but there were other cases in this match where I think you thought, this isn't as open and shut as I thought. Yeah. And the fact that the finish was very much a wrestler wins with her wrestling move because two wrestlers have exhausted each other felt really earned as well, which I, I like to see. I don't necessarily need the most spectacular finisher kickout sequence. I need this idea that they've been in such a war that then that they're knackered and it's going to be oh I've just hit you with my biggest weapon mm. and you're too tired to kick out. 
it energised the closing sequence as well because you did feel hurt on Naomi's behalf when Sonya Deville was able to get her kind of pointing and laughing back in and you did want to see somebody extract a bit of revenge. And then Charlotte Flair gets in. You dick. You absolute dick helping her out. Like, why would you do that? You've contributed to this really cool sporting contest and now you're going to allow Sonya Deville to take the shortcut. And I think all of that energised the Rousey pop and that energised what was by far Ronda Rousey's best performance since this return. This is what they need to do with her in the interim between now and WrestleMania. Yeah. Have her be like a friend to someone. It does vindicate the Charlotte Flair booking as well, doesn't it? Because this was the night where it's like, yes, you have a baby face and you have a heel and it's in Rousey and Flair. You're going to want Rousey to win on the night. The camera, by the way, look might now finally be smiling upon Ronda Rousey because if you watch this back, I'm pretty sure Ronda stumbles on her way to the ring and the camera by fluke cut to a crowd popping after her. You know, in the ramp, it goes ever oh, slightly yeah. from the ramp to the little, like, bit, like the little incline before she hits the ring. Watch it back. I swear she's about to stumble a touch, but by fluke and nothing mm. more, the film in the crowd again, it's like the universe has just karmically done Ronda a bit of a favour there because the last thing you want is her credibility to be shot when it feels like she's teetering a little bit. A, a success story of an ending to a show that was really far from bad. Yeah, absolutely. And just to put the cherry on the icing on the cake here, as you were talking there, I've come up with the perfect road to WrestleMania interim bollocks that they can do, right? So I'm looking going, okay, I re- really like the dynamic of Ronda Rousey actually having friends and, you know, mm. morals and, and things like that. And I was like, oh, what can we do? What can we do to give it a little bit more spice? Because, all right, yeah, we got Sonia and Charlotte and, and Naomi and Ronda. So you have Charlotte Flair, mm-hmm. Sonia Deville, and they were vaguely associated for a while, weren't they? Natalia, okay. right? I've got to take her out of the Xylee Aaliyah bollocks for a bit, but bear with me here, right? And they go, and on this SmackDown that we want to try and pop a number four, um, you're going to have to find, we're going to do a trios match because we do trios matches, right? And Naomi comes out and Ronda comes out and Ronda goes, sorry, you think this is the only friend I've got in WWE? And Shayna Baszler comes out. Oh, great. As a baby face. Yeah. yeah. Why Bollocks, not? Why not? Really good. I, the, see, the thing with the Natalia relationship, just before we, we wrap this up, because I appreciate we've probably gone long for a SmackDown. But, um, we actually enjoyed it for once. Give us a break. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, we don't know what Rouse is going to be doing physically after WrestleMania, which adds a bit of nice spice to the title match itself, whether or not she's going to continue to work afterwards as she did the last time. Um, but could WWE not use her in a non-wrestling capacity? We talked about how much they love their iterations. So Natalia, after a few weeks of doing the world record segments, could be starting to fiddle it a little bit. Or could be somebody like some kid has got like, you know the old Ted DiBiase basketball thing? You get ones like that where it's like, tonight somebody's going to break a record live on Natalia's world records. And then she knackers it. And it's like, why are you doing that? Why are you being such a dick? (laughs) And then like, I don't give a damn about your Guinness world records. (laughs) And she takes the segment and it's called Ronda Rousey's Records. Yes. And that's what she doesn't have to work on TV, but every week somebody comes out. I'll go there and I'll eat dry Jacob's Cream Crackers <laughs> while Ronda Rousey's got a stopwatch. I mean, I, I don't know what else we can say about this show. <laughs> I think this is the perfect SmackDown review. Have, have we done it? Have we yeah. completed SmackDown reviews? Or do, or do I still have to come back next week and forever we'll more? Week, oh, yeah, God yeah. Damn it. Uh, anyway, let us know your thoughts on this show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sid are going to be back later on to review AEW Rampage. And we're all going to be back later on today to look ahead to the go-home episode, head of Elimination Chamber of Monday Night Raw.
But for now, this has been the SmackDown Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 